0: Now can you hear me? (laughs) Praise God. Can you hear me now? Remember the chimpanzee with the banana? Can you hear me now? (laughs) Praise God. All right.
1: So this morning, I believe God told me to um, get this title, What is Your Expectation? And three things I want to speak about this morning. As far as expectation, the presence of God, the blessing of God, and the return of God. What is your expectation? The, bless- the presence of God, the blessing of God, and the return of God. So we'll start with I like this picture. It's either the sunrise or the sunset, whatever it is, but it's beautiful. That's what I like about Arizona. We have beautiful sunsets, beautiful sunrises, really awesome. God just paints beautiful pictures. Let's look in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. If you have your Bibles, open up with me. Because I want to read some interesting things here. I think there's some stuff in here. Uh, I hope you'll be blessed. Uh, God. Is good. Can you say Amen? I like Luke because he's he's a historian, and I like to read history. There's the saying that those that uh, fail to learn the lessons of history are doomed to repeat its mistakes. Today, January twentieth, two thousand nineteen, four hundred and fifty years ago today, Miles Coverdale passed on into eternity. Does anybody know who Miles Coverdale was? Does anybody know who William Tyndall was? These two men were instrumental in translating the Bible into the English language. They did that even before the King James Version. And I read about uh, Miles uh, Coverdale. When he got saved, he got really saved. He just didn't go half-hearted in. He got really saved and really loved God and was really zealous for God. And, and he felt it was his mission in life to translate the Bible into English, dedicated it to King Henry VIII. King Henry VIII ordered that every church in England have a copy of the Bible in English published and put in it. So we thank God for these men. They obviously lived in the presence of God. So here in Luke, chapter two, verse beginning at uh, beginning at verse twenty-five. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout. I want to point out right here that he was just and devout. These two things mean that he was just in his dealings with other people. And he was devout, meaning he was dedicated to God. He loved God, and as a result of his love for God, it, it uh, molded and shaped the way he dealt with people and, and related to people. And so I want to venture to say that this should be our aim, to be just and devout. And then it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. you know what the, a consolation prize is. You didn't get the big prize, so you get the consolation prize. Poor, pitiful you. You didn't win the big prize. Well, here's a little something to appease you. But this title, this is just, uh, I was reading in the commentary. What an amazing title. This is talking about Jesus, the consolation of Israel. Israel at that time was under oppression by the Romans, and they were looking for a military leader, they were looking for a king. And the consolation of Israel is Jesus. And not only just for Israel, but for all of humanity. It says that uh, uh, he was, the Holy Spirit was upon him. Read with me the rest of it. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, or oh Messiah. So he came by the Spirit. Who knows what was going on that day? Joseph and Mary bring Jesus to present him to the Lord. They have no idea. Simeon comes in because he's led by the Holy Spirit the exact moment. Mary sees him. The parents had brought the child Jesus to do to him according to the custom of the law. And when Simeon comes by the Spirit into the temple, he grabs the baby and takes him in his arms. Think of this. This is a picture in my mind of salvation this should be our reaction to the gospel to the good news what an embrace who else can we go to except to Jesus for salvation and the blessing of God and he takes him in his arms and embraces him it says and he blessed God this is an interesting word blessed because according to
0: My notes here. To be
1: blessed is to speak well of, according to Vine's dictionary. It's also a benefit bestowed. So he blessed God. He speaks well of God and he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant, talking about himself, depart in peace according to your word. My eyes have seen your salvation. Which you have prepared before the face of not only the Jewish people, but all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of Jesus, and Simeon blessed them. Praise God. Then in verse 36,
0: it says that Anna. See if
1: I got my notes here right. Nope. We'll go to that one next. It says that Honor the prophetess who served God with fasting and prayers day and night at the temple. According to Jameson Fawcett and Brown's uh, commentary, they estimate that this woman was around 100 years old. Think of that. She's 100 years old. She's still in her right mind, and she's serving God. That is awesome. I love old folks that are serving God. What a blessing in the kingdom of heaven to have longevity. Kathy and I have been serving God for over 30 years, and we've seen a lot of people come and go and fall away, and you never see them serve God again. What a blessing that people have been faithful and steadfast and serving God through the rest of their days. Let me
0: go forward here just a second. Here is Anna the prophetess.
1: This is interesting that she's called a prophetess. She's basically living in the temple. It says specifically here that she's of the tribe of Asher. This was a tribe of the uh, uh, Israelites that had been taken to captivity in Babylon. And the tribe of Judah was the main tribe that came back after the activity was over. But the tribe of Asher, they decided to follow along because not everyone came back, it's like you guys are released. go back, oh no, no, we're gonna stay here your 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 place of worship is there, that's your capital, that's your homeland. Go back, Ah, oh, we'll just hang out here. Interesting though, that the Jewish people were all over the place, even at that time. but this tribe of Asher, they had come back and it goes on to say coming in she served God with fasting and prayers night and day. Coming in at that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of Jesus, him, all who looked for redemption in Israel. In other words, what it's saying here is that she's not the only one besides her and Simeon. There were other people in Jerusalem who were looking for the redemption of Israel at that time, and they fellowshipped, they spoke to one another, and she says, guess what? He's here. Praise God. That's good news. Can you say amen? Let's go back here. Look, here's another individual, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God. Here it is again. People were waiting for the kingdom of God. They had an expectation. Today, at this point in history and time. You and I have an expectation that Jesus is coming back. He promised that he's coming back. We have an expectation, and we can have an expectation that God's hand is still active in the affairs of humanity right now. As we speak, people are getting saved all over the place. Like I mentioned in the Wednesday night Bible study, according to the Voice of the Martyrs uh, ministry, they estimate that approximately 75% 1,000 people a day in China are receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That's phenomenal. Well, there's a billion people there. 75,000 a day. Millions in the Valley of Decision. What an awesome testimony. According to Matthew
0: Henry, so he's waiting for the kingdom
1: of God and he comes to Pilate. And I never noticed this before. It says, taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. This was the day of preparation. The next day was the Sabbath. So in order to go and ask Pilate, he had to go into the house of a Gentile or the presence of a Gentile. That would defile him. But he decided, I don't care. I'm going to do something for God. That ought to be our attitude. I don't care. I'm going to do something for God. Not that we're going to go offend people, but that we're going to do something for God. We'll pray. We'll study. We'll memorize Scripture. I was reading about uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and uh, one of the things he did early in his life uh, when he was training pastors uh, was that he told them, this is what we need to do. Find one Scripture a week, and every day, meditate on that scripture for the whole, for 30 minutes or so, for the whole week. And so memorize some scripture and get it into your heart. So I thought, that's a great idea. I was reading and I found Psalm chapter 5 verse 8. It says, Lord, lead me in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before my face. So I thought about that all week and uh, Still haven't seen God's way straight before my face yet, but maybe I'll meditate on that for another week or so and ask God, show me your ways. How shall we proceed? What shall we do? How can we build the kingdom of God? According to Matthew Henry, those who wait for the kingdom of God and hope to share in its privileges must show it by their readiness to acknowledge Christ's cause. What's Christ's cause? Why did Jesus come to earth? To redeem souls, to save sinners, to set the captives free. For his cause
0: is now our cause. We want to try and win souls. Hallelujah. Let's go on. We read about Anna. And then here
1: in Luke chapter 3, verse 15, talking about John the Baptist, as the people were in expectation. Here's that word, expectation. What is your expectation? Here's the people. they have going out. John's a prophet of God. He's preaching to the people. He's uh, ministering. He's baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins. And it says the people all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Messiah or not. And obviously he was not. But they wondered, could this be the one that we've been waiting for?
0: And they had an expectation
1: and they began to think, something's going on in the kingdom of God. Anybody ever read the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis? Favorite allegorical story of the kingdom of God. In the in the story, there's this lion named Aslan who represents Jesus. So they have that phrase: "Aslan is on the move, and it strikes fear in the enemy's heart, but it stirs up hope in everybody else who's expecting and waiting for Aslan, the lion, to come
0: and uh, kick their butt. Praise God! And
1: he and he goes, but the point is this: that Jesus. Is on the move. Doesn't matter the way things look. You know, a lot of people are wondering. Well, you know, uh, once you step into uh, you know the, the next uh, level of ministry, or you you want to do something for God. Well, there's an enemy, you know, and he's gonna do all kinds of crazy stuff and and try and mess things up. And well, if that's your expectation, maybe that's what will happen. But if your expectation is that he's a defeated enemy, he's been disarmed, and he's the defeated foe. And the expectation is that he's nothing. Let's go for God and see what God will do. I like what uh, um, <clears throat> Saul's son, uh, Jonathan, uh, he's got his armor bearer. And uh, it's in the book of Samuel, I believe. The Philistines are wreaking havoc. Uh, uh, and uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer go up. And they see the garrison of the Philistines and he Let's go see what God will do. And uh, the armor bearer says, whatever's in your heart, let's do it. Let's go up there. And they go up there and they they have an awesome victory. Praise God. Whatever's in your heart that God has put in your heart to do, do it. Let God use you. They're thinking,
0: is this the Messiah? Praise God.
1: Then in Luke chapter 24, verse 21 the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. It says, we were hoping. That J- they, Jesus, you know, he doesn't reveal himself to them. They're on their way. It's about a two-hour walk. So they're talking and he says, well, how come you're so sad? And they look at him and they say, are you a stranger? that you, you have no idea what's gone on in the past few weeks here? And they say, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Besides, today, this is the third day since these things happened. They had hope, and their hope was dashed. They had no idea that they're talking to Jesus. And as you know, the rest of the story, as they're walking along, Jesus opens the Scripture to them. And they still don't see it that it's Jesus. He it shows them from the Scriptures. This is the way it was supposed to be. Because they were looking to redeem Israel. They had no clue they thought that the kingdom was going to uh, be reestablished, you know, like David's, Solomon's glorious kingdom and the Romans would be uh, uh, kicked out of there and everything and and Jesus obviously had different plans. Redemption, the remission of sins, to redeem Israel, to save sinners from their sin, to transform lives and hearts. It says in one of the gospels uh, that the yeah, excuse me. The religious leaders could not fathom that Jesus would hang out with sinners, but he didn't hang out with them to join in their sin. He hung out with them, turned them to God, and to show them
0: that's good news that God loves us.
1: Because if we were God, we would have done like God said to Moses: Get out of the way! I'll wipe them all out and start all over with you. And Moses, you know, he had a heart for God. He had a heart for the people. That's the same thing that God has towards us. That we deserve death. I'll never forget. I had the opportunity to preach at the federal prison one time in the beginning of the service, uh, part of the worship. Uh, I said, you know, thank God we deserve the death penalty. And in the back of the room, I seen this guy uh, one of the inmates, it's like somebody slapped him. Like that. At the end of the service, I told this story before. At the end of the service, I gave the altar call he responded, Yes, I want to be forgiven. And he understood that because of sin, we deserve death. But Jesus took our place. Hallelujah. This is a, an interesting story also because the two guys. How many know Matthew chapter 18, verse 20? The good memory verse. Matthew 1820. Think about it as a year, 1820. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus said, I'm there in the midst of them. These two men are talking about the things of God, and as they're walking along, Jesus comes alongside them. When you're talking about the things of God, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 16, it says, A book of remembrance is opened and written in up in heaven when we're talking about the things of God with people. Where two or more are gathered in his name, Jesus comes in and he's there with us. Praise God. Jesus comes to us. I'm going to be uh, putting together a sermon about abiding in Christ uh, for the next time I preach. It's that. God chooses us. Isn't that awesome. God chooses us. As telling our granddaughters on the way up here, God chose you. Like God has a winning team. God wants you on His team. It's not like you're the last choice. <laughs> everybody lines up. Remember in school, they had everybody. The big athletic guys would be the team captains, of course, and then they'd choose whoever they wanted on their team. And uh, there was always that couple of wimps at the end. Nobody really wanted them on their team. (laughs) God wants you on his team no matter whether you're athletic or not. Praise God. There was a general expectation of the appearing of the Messiah at this time. I like what Charles Finney, uh, the uh, great revivalist, had to say. God is not retired. He's not taking retirement. He's still active. Hallelujah. Praise God. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. See if I got that. Acts chapter 2, verse 5. There were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men. Here's that word again. From every nation under heaven. These people, according to the commentator, they had returned to Jerusalem to make their dwelling place because they expected that Jesus was going to be, that the Messiah was coming. Hallelujah. According to Jameson Fawcett and Brown's commentary on the Bible, the Roman historians, Suetonius and Tacitus, bear witness to an expectation in the East that out of Judah should arrive a sovereign of the world. So, in Matthew chapter 2, the Magi come from the east to visit. They say, Where is he that's born the king of the Jews? They expected, according to Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown's commentary, all of Jerusalem to be full of its newborn king, and the time, place, and circumstances of his birth to be familiar to everyone. They arrive in Jerusalem, and nobody knows anything about it. So, Herod calls the. the uh, The rabbis, hey, where's the Messiah going to be born? And so they look it up. And they don't go. Are you guys, what's wrong with you guys? You just read God's Word, and God's Word is true, and it tells you where the Messiah is going to be born, and you guys don't go. What's up with that? But these guys come from the east, Persia or wherever, and they had seen the sign, and they go. Because they believed. Hallelujah. So on the day of Pentecost, there's Jews from every nation under heaven in the known world. They were dwelling in Jerusalem because they were expecting the Messiah and they had missed it. And the day of Pentecost, uh, The the spirit of God is poured out on the apostles and Peter gets up and preaches and he tells them, you guys missed it, but here's another chance for you guys. Thank God God is the God of second and third and a million chances. Can you say amen?
0: Praise God. What shall we say
1: to these things if God is for us? Who can be against us? Proverbs chapter 22. This is my second point. the blessing of God it literally means a benefit bestowed or to speak well of the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it proverbs ten twenty two anybody ever hear of the uh, uh couple that uh, got the miracle financing for their car? They were paying like twenty thirty percent interest, and the car payment was more than their house payment and they come to a financial advisor and And uh, the financial advisor tells them, how did you guys get the financing for this car? Oh, the car dealership said it was a miracle. (laughs) There was a miracle. You guys should not have got that car. That's not a blessing. It's killing you financially. Praise God. God doesn't do that sort of thing. God blesses. Hallelujah. So, Romans chapter 8, verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? What are these things? Blessings from God. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. His spirit dwells in you. These are some of these things. Verse 15. You have received the spirit of adoption. Verse 25. The spirit himself makes intercession for us. God has blessed us with these things. Verse 28, we know that some things work together. No, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. If God is for us, or since God is for us, or because God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 37, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him Who loved us. And nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. What shall we say to these things? Nothing can separate us. There's no combination, no condemnation. If God is for us, everyone else might as well be with us. Who could be against us? Even the dumb devil, even if he comes against us, he's defeated. Praise God. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, it says, speaking to Abram before he became Abraham, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What an amazing promise because who knows? We know that it's talking about Jesus, the Messiah, come to earth. God, stepping out of eternity, the most important event that has ever happened In the history of the universe, no matter how young or old it really is, God himself came to earth and became a human being like us. The scripture plainly says, in him, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily. One of my brothers had a hard time. Uh, I was trying to talk to him and his friends about Jesus. And uh, he, he, he didn't think that because Jesus was God and man at the same time, that it wasn't possible for him to suffer. He was above that, you know, because he's so super spiritual. No, Jesus took the sins of the whole world upon himself, the consequences of every sin, the suffering, the stripes on his back for healing. He did experience that pain. But God is faithful in Romans chapter 10. I believe it's verse 17. It says, God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to bear, but with the temptation will make a way of escape. God wants to bless. God wants to help us. Hallelujah. Lastly, we'll look at
0: the return of God. This is kind
1: of a funny story to me. I've Maybe I have an odd sense of humor or not, but it says, While they looked up steadfastly towards heaven as Jesus went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said also to them, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. In verse 9, it says that Jesus was taken out of their sight. So they couldn't see him anymore, but they're all standing there looking up. Mouth's probably wide open. Wah! But think of this. Jesus loved them. They loved Jesus. And now he's leaving. Wait, 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 wait. Come back. Come back. Don't leave us. But Jesus had told them he has to leave because if he doesn't go, then the Holy Spirit will. Because Jesus' physical body could only be in one place at one time. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit can be everywhere. The enemy's not everywhere. How many know that? A lot of people give the devil a lot of credit that he doesn't really deserve. He's not everywhere at the same time. The kingdom of darkness is not everywhere at the same time. But the Holy Spirit is everywhere at the same time.
0: Just amazing. A cloud had
1: received him out of their sight. And they're still standing there looking. On the one hand, sorrow in their hearts, I imagine, because Jesus is gone. But then the angels, if these are angels, tell him he's going to come back. And it stirs up expectation, stirs up hope. It seems like it's been a long time since Jesus has gone and hasn't come back yet
0: but the sorrow of the departure is replaced by the
1: joyful expectation of the return. What's really awesome is that Jesus said, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son, but my Father only. And so what does he tell us to do? That was my last, uh, there it is. Thank you, Nick. That same Jesus will come back. Watch therefore, Matthew chapter 25, verse 13, Jesus said, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. And Second Peter chapter 2, verse 10, he writes and says, The day of the Lord will come, the thief in the night. Remember the big three movies, The Thief in the Night, way back when, when uh, we were young and, praise God, and we were expecting the return of Jesus then. Hallelujah. Do not let that expectation diminish because Jesus definitely is coming back. No matter what things look like, He is coming back. He is faithful who has promised. Hallelujah. He will come back. What do we look for? Verse 13 of Second Peter chapter 2. We, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Glory to God, no more thieves, no more nonsense, no more sin, but righteousness dwells therein. What an awesome, awesome thing to look forward to. So we have the book of Revelation. And Jesus said, verse 12, chapter 22, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. And the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Hallelujah. Verse seventeen. And the Spirit and the Bride say, "Come." And let him who hears say, "Come." Let who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. There's a little note here about the bride.
0: It refers back to
1: chapter twenty-one. First time. one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me. This is John writing, and it says, Come, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. He carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like jasper stone, clear as crystal. This is the bride, the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven. And it gives the measurements, it's gigantic. Or as my granddaughter would say, it's
0: ginormous, it's huge. God dwells in, and there's gate, and the no unrighteous people are allowed
1: in. One of the most interesting verses in the whole Bible is Revelations chapter 22, verse 11. An angel is speaking to John, and some commentators believe that this was actually a prophet because in verse 9 he says, I am your fellow servant and of your brethren the prophet and of those who keep the words of this book worship God. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. And this is the most amazing scripture. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. To me, this was very mysterious until I began to pray and ask God about it. What do you mean, God? Are we not supposed to try and get people saved? I don't believe that's what it's saying. But there are people who resist the gospel. And no matter what you do, they don't want to have anything to do with it. So you give them up to God. Let God deal with it. Those that are living for God, you want to be in fellowship with them. You want to be like the first scriptures we looked at, that there's people who are waiting in expectation for the return of Jesus. That's the people you want to hang out with. That's the people you want to be with. Try and win people. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. And let whoever hears say, come. Let whoever thirsts, come. So it's our job to try and win the lost. But if they don't want to get won, not much you can do. Because the Bible specifically says unless the Father draws them, they will not come. God is not willing that any
0: should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We want
1: to encourage people to get into the kingdom of God. Go on and serve Jesus and wait expectantly for him. There's a promise in Psalm 92. Verses 12-15 through The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no righteousness. I don't know about you, but I want to be fresh and flourishing for the kingdom of God, even into old age. I have no idea how long I'm going to live, but God knows. Praise God. So my heart's desire and prayers for every one of us,
0: fresh, flourished, even into old age. Praise
1: God. We have problems in this life? Yes, but we have health. Hallelujah. So that's about all I have for this morning. Praise God. I hope you're blessed.